0: Yeah, ripped apart. You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark. We dropping nuggets like Carmelo went the Rucker Now we eating from state to state, we scrape the plate. I put my eggs in a basket, took a leap of faith. I took a chance, now we grow and see the impact. Decoding success with special guests, now we
1: to the show, ladies and gentlemen, episode number 181 of the Decoding Success Podcast. Today, we are rocking with our friend Yancey Strickler, and it is none other than your host, Matt Labrie. Yancey is the founder of the Bento Society, co-founder of Kickstarter, the co-founder of the artist resource, The Creative Independent, and the new author of This Could Be Our Future, a manifesto for a more generous world. I am sure you've heard of Kickstarter before, an amazing crowdfunding platform that has helped so many individuals individuals. individuals launch their projects and make an impact in this world. So really, really amazing individual joining us today. I want to throw something out there. Yancy is such a great dude, really excited to be able to amplify his message. And it is our job here at Decoding Success to do just that, amplify the messages of many unique individuals. And this is the thing, every message is unique. I'm saying that because I might not necessarily align with every message, but it is our job. It is our duty. It is our obligation obligation as a media outlet to put out the realness, right? Everyone is allowed to have their own entitlements, their own opinions about whatever it is in the world, whether it is politics, whether it is how you develop personally, self-development, personal development, etc. Whether it is how you run your business, whether it is how you operate in your relationships, right? It is our job to put out those messages because what aligns with me may not align with you and vice versa. That is totally cool. And we're not going to be a platform that solely puts out messages that only resonates with one side we are going to be a full spectrum media outlet and that is what we've been from the very start so I just wanted to throw that out there on top of that this episode is totally free there is no cost for you to listen to it so with that being said it would be amazing if you can share this when you find it to be of value to you whether that's at the 20 minute mark whether it's right now in the intro of this episode if you share it whether that's on your social media on Instagram story Twitter Facebook LinkedIn Clubhouse wherever whether it's in your group chats with your family your friends your co-workers your employees your staff whoever you're sending memes to whatever the case is if you share this make sure you tag us make sure you find a way to let us know so that we can show love back to you on top of that if you haven't left a rating and review yet that would mean the absolute world to us and lastly before diving into this we are officially on youtube if you have not checked us out on youtube we have the videos that are live we're rolling them out weekly a lot a lot a lot of video content going out there for you to be able to watch the behind the scenes scenes of each and every one of these episodes. And again, you are rocking with us on Decoding Success, episode 181 with our friend Yancey Strickler. Yancy, my man, I am excited to have you. I'm grateful to have you. So thank you for joining the show today. Yeah, what's up? Thank,
0: thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. Of
1: course. Listen, we kick this show off with the same question. I'm really curious to hear how you answer it based on what I've read about you and what you put out there in the world. The question is, how do you personally define success?
0: Um... I think it's living in integrity with who you are Um, and, and we're constantly learning more about who we are. So like through self-awareness and through a curiosity about your world and the people around you. But yeah, I think it's, what I have found is that You know, I, I I think I use this phrase a lot of self coherence and coherence meaning like you're, you're, you are of yourself. You are in integrity with yourself. You, the, the form, the large form of you matches the tiniest form of you, you know, it's just all, it's, it's all in sync. And that, um, and when we're behaving in a way that is in alignment with who we are, where we've been, where we want to go um, with the people around us that our actions are just infinitely more impactful. Mm -hmm. And, and it takes almost no effort. You know, it's like when, when you, when you have a perfect swing, you're swinging a golf club or a bat and you hit it right. Just the way that like, it feels like nothing. Right. And it just flies. And you can be in that same place in life. Right. And, and it takes, Knowing who you are, knowing what you want, having the humility to not to put yourself and your needs in context of the other things in your life, but that is a state that it 's possible to work your way towards and um, and and I think that when you are there you have you will experience a a flourishing in every aspect of your life right. and and that that can only happen when you are really. Are just like vibing with who you are at the deepest level that yeah. that you're aware of. There's always a deeper level. Like this, the truth of aging is like you're always finding a level deeper. You know, you're I'm always looking back at my younger self, thinking what an idiot I was, and just like <laughs> thinking, you know, being so grateful that nobody noticed what a fool I was because today I'm so much wiser. It's like that's that's always happening if we're living life well. I think right. Um, But yeah, it's, it's so, so, you know, that's a very, it's a very internally derived meaning of success, right? Um, And it's not thinking about, you know, you won a trophy, you achieved a certain thing Um, that might be part of the story. Um, You know, one of the things that I teach people, I teach workshops and um, around a a philosophy. And the first thing I, I have people do is we, we draw a map of our life, Mm. And so you start at the bottom of the page, you'll write like birth and you sort of like draw a line snaking up to the top and the top, you draw another dot and you say now. And then you take about five to 10 minutes and you just fill in everything you can remember, all like the milestones of your life. You know, for me, like the first one is my parents split when I was three. So like that's the first thing I write down. And then I'm just sort of like, you know, sort of remembering my life writing down these things, as you get into it, like more comes out than you would expect. And you sort of like, you can color it, you can sketch on it to draw a certain mood or feeling, whatever you want to do. Um, But after you do that, then you look at it and there's a question you ask yourself, which is what am I most proud of? Mm. What on this journey am I most proud of? And when I first did this, I assumed that I was most proud of starting Kickstarter. This famous company, you know, co-founder of that led as a CEO, like it is the, you know, seems the pinnacle of my life. Um, So I just like assumed. And instead, when I looked at this story of my life, um, what I felt proudest of was actually that at age 20, I moved to New York from like the country, from a farm. right? And I like really had no idea what I was doing. Looking back, it was quite a foolish decision how I did it but I made it work. And actually, like, Kickstarter only happened because of that. And and so what that did for me is that changed my key accomplishment. Whereas when Kickstarter was my key accomplishment, then my own self of sense of self-worth then depends on Kickstarter being popular. It mm-hmm. depends on other people not having success that might make me feel jealous of like, what if they're getting ahead of me or something, right? Like they're getting something I want. So I'm still, my identity is like tied to the performance of this thing. But instead when my identity switched with like, when what was my core accomplishment was like taking a big risk at a young age, then suddenly my identity is, Oh, wow. Like I'm not, I'm not afraid to to take a chance on something. Right. And if, and if that is like, my achievement, if that is, is, is at the core of like what I'm proud of, like that is a dramatically different life that you would live. Right. And, um, and so like I did this as the group and one guy in particular, who is a successful founder person, successful founder person. Um, when he looked at his, his answer was, he hadn't even thought of it. It was getting cut from his eighth grade basketball team. He's like, you know what? He's like, that killed me. And after that, I went into computers. He's like, I, you know, I like lost, sort of lost myself for a while. But you know what? That's how I found this other way. Right. But he had never, he never thought about that. That's and so crazy. things like that, because um, then that immediately powers, empowers you to make your next decision in line with like this new narrative that you have of yourself. That yeah. is, that is like more deeply true. So things like that let you like just tap into your, your strengths, your deepest strengths. And like, we all have them. And when we, when we work from those places, like we are so powerful, we are so powerful. Like you cannot overestimate your capacity when you are playing to just like, what is, what, what is there inside of you? It's just, it's hard to find that, right? It's not easy. Like that takes, it takes a long time, but like, it's there for you it, it's, and, and it's there for, for everybody. I love
1: that, man. Listen, we can get deep on this show. Like you, you already, you just tossed me the alley-oop. Like that was the alley-oop right there, man. Yeah. I love it. So how do you know who you are? That's my next question. How do you personally know who you are? What did you have to do? What type of work did you have to do? You don't have to give me the intimate details. Yeah, obviously. yeah.
0: Um, well, I have a natural advantage um, in that like a, uh, a default process i have is like anxiety and okay. self criticism right okay. and um it's in reality not an advantage it's in reality not an advantage but okay. when it comes to like knowing yourself um it, it it is helpful i i think that um you know i think i learned who i was um through trial you know i think um i think that especially as the like the harder parts of the kickstarter experience um were were super interesting of just like just really pushing you to the test of right. what are what are you capable of um um and but i think i really i think i only my my current level of awareness really only began when I left Kickstarter. That was like three years ago. And um and I'd spent, you know, 10 years working full time on Kickstarter. And like and, and me and in that company, like I I I am more motivated to be a member of the team than a, the leader of the team. Like I love, you know, late nights working on something, a challenge together, like my favorite memories of that time, you know, just like just just working with other smart people to figure something out. Like there's just yeah. not, there's nothing better than that. And, um, and, and so I had a certain identity within that. Um, but you know, when you're running your own company, it just, it takes up all of your life it, and it, it needs to, it needs to. Um, and when I left, you just faced this sudden thing of like, well, what the hell am I? Like this thing, this giant Tree that has just sat in the middle of my yard. That's just been my everything. It's suddenly gone, and right. you're like, "Is is there a hole? What what's happening? You know what what is what is here?" And um, was that because you identified yourself with
1: the company, or yeah, yeah,
0: I think it's I think it's that. Yeah, I mean, I was the Kickstarter guy for many right. years, but I think it's also like virtually all of my friendships were around the company, and many of those are still there, but like, you know, you left. So it's like, I don't need to be, you know, I'm not going to talk to the person and then slack every day. Like I used to, cause like, I don't work there anymore. You know, I don't, I don't want, you know, that's my choice not to. Um, but uh, you know, there were a couple of interesting things. I mean, so when I, it was like my f- first week when I wasn't going to the office anymore. Um, I thought I was going to just like sleep for a year Um, I, you know, really like the point when I knew I needed to leave, I was just really hitting burnout and was just like, just levels of exhaustion I'd never felt before. And, um, my body was just telling me. And so I thought I was just going to crash. And instead my first week, not going to work, I felt like more hyped than I'd felt in forever. And I realized as I like sat with that feeling, it was because I was needing to make decisions based on my own needs and not needs of myself and my family and not thinking about the organization, not thinking about the brand, not thinking about the competition, not thinking about just like this meta world that all of my actions had been filtered through. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I had never, I, I was, as a CEO, I was never acting according to my own. I mean, my beliefs and the company's needs would often line up, but I was always acting according to the company's needs and like, right. and my job as the executive is to think about that. And so, to be able to hustle for myself was like invigorating. I was like, yo, this is exciting. I can just do shit. That's cool. It's been a <laughs> while, you know, it's been a minute. And, um, and so what I did is I, I started, I started with something just like the draw your life. Um, you know, it occurred to me that I had all this energy. I wasn't sure what to do. And I thought, you know, I've been doing like planning the company, what the company is going to do every year um, for a long time doing brainstorming with like my teammates and, um, and I thought I should just treat myself like I'm a corporation and I should like, I should, I should do some resource planning for myself and just like do a SWOT analysis of myself and just like figure out what I should do. And so I spent a week just like filling this notebook with, it was first, it was like every project I've ever done like high school zines, like whatever, playing, like running a fantasy football league, you know, whatever, all like everything I've done, um, like every sort of skill I thought I had based on sort of the things I'd done. And then I looked at those things and I tried to imagine what are things that I haven't done, but I could do based on like what I've done before, like, and just try to free myself to think very open-mindedly about what other, other things I can do. And I created various exercises Um, and gave myself, you know, different tasks, like think of jobs that would be public facing, think of jobs that would be totally anonymous. No one would ever know who I was like, think of, and just try to generate ideas. Um, and that I did that for like three or four days. And at the end of that, there were five potential like next steps for me. Again, I didn't know that I was going to be taking a next step, but like five next steps for me that felt possible. That felt plausible based on like my life story and what I was interested in. And, um, and I wasn't, I didn't know how to make a decision. I didn't exactly feel ready to make a decision, but I also didn't want to just wait around for something to happen. And so I came with this other idea, which is that the following week I would wake up each day and pretend one of those things was my job for the whole day. Mm. And so like one of them was to be a teacher. And so day one, like I woke up, I'm a teacher today. And like, I have friends who are teachers. I talked to a couple of them. I like draw, you know, draw out a lesson plan. Like just try to imagine this was how I'm doing. I tried to like get in the mind space of that and just sort of feel, see what it felt like. Yeah. I just try to play it out. The next day was like being a journalist, which is what I'd done in the past life. The next day was to like, I had a side project and it was turning that into a full on company again. And so I, each day I like, the whole day tried to stay in character. And the entire point was to just like, see what my body felt. Did I hate it? Was it exciting? You know, what did it give me energy? And, um, and one of those was about writing a book tied to this specific talk I'd given a few years before, and like playing that out. And when I considered that option, like, I was just invigorated and, um, and it just felt right. And so I ended up creating, I liked this way. I like, created like structures to force myself to do shit. To, like get myself out of my head. So I created another structure. Like this was in September. I decided that and I was like, all right, well by January 1st, I have to have a book deal or I'm not going to do it. And I like, and just started on a process, like working backwards from that goal. Um, and just really, really just trying to create friction for myself. And, e- and even in that process, um, meeting potential book agents, you know, and I'd done Kickstarter, right? So people were more than happy to meet with me to have me tell them about like, I'm going to write a book about kickstart your life, you know, and whatever, it would be the self-help guide. Uh, but I wasn't doing that. Instead, I was pitching like a manifesto and a quite, you know, sort of challenging book. And, um, and there was one person in particular, one agent who I could tell he was very smart, but he, he really didn't know what to think of me. And he's quite skeptical of me. I could feel it. And I really liked that. And I thought, I want to work with this guy um, really? because, because if I can convince him that I know I'm for real. Um, and so I asked him, like, like, I'd like to work with you, but I, I only want to like send something out when you say it's good enough. Like, that's why I want to work with you or you, you're willing to do that. And like, he's just super honest, like brutally honest guy. And he said, "Cool." And it, it's awesome for me because again, it was like friction to just force me to be better. To like, and and I'm good. I need to know if I'm full of shit or not. And the earlier I can do that, the better. Right. <laughs> and it, and it's much better to have someone that's like going to criticize you than someone that's just going to not be honest, right? Because like, what do I know? And and so I feel like all of these things, and even the bento, um, bentoism, which I'm doing now, are all just like tools to try to balance out my weaknesses, to, to like give love to the parts of me that try as hard as I might are going to let me down, you know? And yeah. just cause like, that's just what happens because we're human. And so just like, how, how can I surround myself with situations that just like, don't let me fall back on whatever my shit is. You know, I, 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 I like coach people. I was coaching someone the other day who... He keeps leaving his company and then coming back. He keeps leaving. He leaves. says, I'm never coming back. And then like five years later, he comes back and fires everybody and like wrecks everything. And he does this over and over. And um, and I'm like, you have to sell your company. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to sell my company. I was like, I know. But the only way you could stop yourself from coming back again is to sell it. Like you have to cut off your arm. At right. a certain point, you can't just saying, can't keep saying to your arm, please stop doing it. Like, no, you got to take action. You, you have to make it uncomfortable. You have to limit your options to force yourself to make a better decision. Sometimes that's what it takes. And, um, and it's, and so it's, I don't know. So I think of like, I'm, I'm negotiating with myself. I'm, I'm, I'm playing tricks on myself. I'm, you know, I'm I'm acknowledging my, my weakness. I'm acknowledging how manipulable I am. And I'm trying to use that for good. Yeah.
1: uh, I love that. That's awesome, man. And I'm really curious. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've done a bunch of these podcasts and different press, uh, you know, press outlets, etc. What's a question you wish more people would ask you, and how would you answer that question?
0: Um, do you want any money? And yes, um, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, what would people ask me? Um, it's a selfish question, you know. Well, I think I think it's just like where. I mean where 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 is my work going like is there a, is, is there a, is there an outcome I'm working towards is there a direction I'm thinking about like is there a larger point here and um and yeah and now I should answer that question I you guess you should uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so uh so in the, you know for me trying to like um solve this question of like uh uh I've had to live up to my own expectations for myself. Sure. And and I think trying to see the world for what it actually is. Um, You know, I I started working on this book, a year and a half of researching, especially like the history of how we've defined self-interest. Right. um, and, and, And especially the history of how we've defined value. These like two concepts of like, that are basically about, what we think is important and not, and not important. Mm. And me trying to understand how do things like that work? What is the history of that? Like, and, and, learn, and learning quite a bit about where our beliefs originated and, and really like what the process was from a new idea to becoming something that's invisible at a certain point, right? Like, like what a piano looks like was designed by a person but we we have no concept of that it's just like a piano looks like a piano you right. know like what are you talking about it's a piano but like no that was a con- that was a concept that was super foreign and weird for probably about 50 years and then everyone's like yeah that's a piano what are you talking about you know it's and like <laughs> so how does that happen how does that happen um and so during this process i i um came up with this way of thinking about where I thought we were in the world. And 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 I was thinking about the question of self-interest, how we define self-interest. And I drew a what in tech they call a hockey stick graph, but just like a simple chart with an X and Y axis and just like a line going up. And that line measuring like money, power, new followers, whatever it is that you want to grow, this is the emblem of success. is like just a line going up. You're crushing it. Um, and I drew this in my notebook and then it occurred to me that the X axis, the bottom line, that's showing time. And that could go from now infinitely into the future. Like that could go out forever if you wanted to or into the past. And the Y axis, which is measuring whatever it is you want, that self-interest. I thought, you know what? That also keeps going because as our self-interest grows, so does our responsibility. Like the difference between being a solo entrepreneur and having employees is huge or the difference between being single and having a family is huge. Mm. So, Out of this like simple graph, I like extended these lines and suddenly there are these four boxes um, to think about. And I labeled them in the bottom left where like there was the hockey stick graph was now me. This is what I want and need right now. This is how we think of self-interest today. And the bottom right was future me, the older, wiser version of myself that I hope to become. Mm. Uh, That person becomes real or not real every day based on the choices I make. In the top left, there's now us, the people in my life who I care about and who care about me. And then the top right, future us, my kids or everybody else's kids. Right. And that I saw this and realized, well, you know, every decision I make leaves a footprint in all these spaces. Now me, future me, now us, future us. But yet like. If I'm real on a day to day, like I'm blind to everything, but now me, you know, like I'm not, I I know the future matters. I know my family, people matter, but like, do I really, how how well do I, how good a job do I do about thinking of them? And so next to this graph, I just, you know, it was just in my notebook. I wrote, what is this a picture of? And I just wrote down beyond near term orientation, that Mm. this was just like a graph for seeing beyond our near term orientation. And then I realized that that was a bit, that was an acronym for the word bento. And I thought about the bento box, the Japanese packed lunch. Yeah. It has these compartments and a lid and how the bento, the whole point of the bento is to make sure you have a balanced meal, not too much of any one thing, like a little bit of everything. And the bento also honors this Japanese dieting philosophy called Hada which says the goal of a meal is to be 80% full. That way you're still hungry for tomorrow. So I thought this is the same idea, but for our decisions our, and our self-interest, a way to escape this trap of just now me and a way to see all these dimensions of ourselves, to like really step into who we are. And, um, and so that was like maybe two and a half years ago, I had that moment. And I've just been teaching this to folks first in living rooms um, and, you know, now on Zoom multiple times a week. I do workshops around this and there's a, a real community around it now. Um, but the larger goal here is really arguing that we're trapped in this limited sort of passive awareness of just only seeing things by now me. And especially in the U S this is true. We're like very individualistic, very short-term oriented. And in something like COVID we're seeing the cost of that. Like we have, there's no social trust. There's very little us value in America right now. Right. There's a lot of me value. Like it's a, it's a wealthy, poor nation at this point. And, um, and so when we trap ourselves in this limited awareness, this limited dimension of value, like we just create these really bad conditions for ourselves and, and success, success involves like thinking about our worlds as being like multidimensional. And, and so I believe this expansion from just now me to us and future is like, is the core linchpin change that. Like the world totally evolves as a result of that. And and my whole book is pitched around that change can happen in 30 years and that by 2050, all of these ideas – will be so obvious and expected that this is the most boring conversation. This conversation is even more boring than it is right now. Uh, but, but they, but that like, this will just be invisible, right? This will be like, what does a piano look like? Yeah, of course. Of course we all have like now future me us like, yeah, that's obvious. Right. And, and so I believe that if the world gets to that place, then suddenly dealing with climate change, which will really be a now problem as it already is by then, but especially then will be a lot like there will be a justification for it. There will be a rationality for it. Like right now, because we see the world according to now me, we keep trying to create solutions to the climate crisis that make our now me better. When in reality, like solving this crisis means sacrificing something now to protect the future. Mm -hmm. But yet that is like unthinkable based on the way we're trapped right now. And so, um, so that's the, like the, that's the hairy, audacious goal. And, and so I have a, an organization, a community called the Bento Society, um, which is a mailing list and a Slack group and, and people that come together on Zoom three times a week. And we're all like discovering ourselves. But the larger ultimate goal is shifting society in this direction and, and feeling like that needs to be a movement. It, it, it already is that, and it will continue to be that. And that especially, like I was on this trip before COVID, uh, but especially now post-COVID where, like COVID has ripped up all of our maps of the world. Yeah. Like they, they, they are bullshit now. They, they have no meaning on the world we are now. And I, I believe the bento is the map to the new world. It's a map to where our decisions have impact. It's a map to where we exist. Um, and, and especially with like the internet making us these networked creatures and, and all these things like who we are fundamentally is changing right now. And, and we are still using, you know, the old dashboards, the old manual. And, um, but, but the, the, the world is fundamentally remade. And so, and so I think that this project that, that, I was already on and, and that, and that has momentum. Um, I believe that this is part of, part of the toolkit, um, part of the, the new way of understanding that I think really like opens up the, the upside, the upside potential of where we are, which is significant. Like the, the idea that we would have a global pause, like for two years, nuts, nuts. And, and like, there's, So many scary, crazy things out of that, and like people being out of work, and like a a lot, a lot. Um, You know what? We have we have every opportunity to just like nail this moment, right? Like there, there, whatever ways that this fails will be on us, because there is every opportunity for this to be like an amazingly transformative moment for for all of us, and I think for a lot of people, it it will be, Um, and you know, uh, like, and I, I'm not, I mean, I am political, but I don't mean this in a political way, but I just look at this moment and just think a little bit like, what a shame that it's Trump that's here, just rather than someone that would, that would also want to reach for this moment of like a coming together to solve a problem, a coming together to adjust to a, a, a global crisis. Like, sure. this is a moment that's begging, for a certain kind of collective response. And I think for the most part that is happening, but you just have these, you know, these, these pockets, these certain leaders for their own reasons are, aren't willing to embrace this. Mm. Um, So I I think, I think we cannot underestimate the degree of change that's happening now. And um, you know, I was just, I was reading something the other day how when troops, when, when the troops came back from World War II, so like the 1944, 1945, I don't remember when World War II ended, maybe it was 46, (laughs) sometime in there, the troops came home and Americans were scared about what would happen when the troops came back because at the start of World War II, it was still kind of the depression. There was a lot of like union labor, rioting, strife in America. It was actually quite tense socially and people thought that when the troops came home, that the depression would return because where are there going to be jobs for everybody. And also that like all that union strife, all that stuff was going to happen again too. And it said when everybody came back, there was this immediate boom in the economy. But I was reading something by someone who's alive at the time writing about the mood. And they're saying how for that first year, nobody trusted it. Mm-hmm. Everyone thought it was like this bubble. This is but we can't, you know, it's really, the world is not like this. We look back now and we say like, The end of World War II is like the start of the golden age of capitalism, like the most profitable, prolific time in human history began at that moment. The people that were alive then did not think that's what was happening. And it's only in retrospect that that is obvious. But like the choices to make that happen, the things that that occurred that came together to propel that, like those people made occur in that moment. And COVID is going to be like retroactively – inevitable to future generations, right? Like JFK, if someone says JFK to you, you immediately think, oh, like promise unfulfilled, like what a shame, right? right. Like, like his name instantly means, well, he's the guy that his life was cut short. And COVID is gonna be this like, the world was this crazy global, everything moving, you know, spinning CO2 into the air, you know, everyone like losing touch with their families, etc. cetera. And then this inevitable moment came where it all stopped. right. And then how did people deal with that? And so, um, so just like, it's just interesting to look back in history at these moments of change. And, you know, I, I think, I think you're falling for a while before you know you're falling. Mm. And, and, um, and, and I think that's what's happening now. I mean, I think a certain empire, a certain way of seeing the world is falling. Right. And, um, and it's not clean. Um, and I think that there's a considerable amount of darkness in, in the near future. Um, but I I think that this is uh, has all kinds of wonderful potential um, for everyone.
1: Yeah, it does. It most definitely does. But Yancy, let's talk about the book. I wanna make sure we're squeezing this in here. Yeah, let's talk yeah. about the book. This could be our future. Why write this book at this point in your journey and I'm going to throw another question at you two at once here. Why write this book at this point in your journey? And also what is the one thing you want people to take away from it? If they could only take away one thing, what do yeah. you want that one thing to be?
0: Yeah. I want people to know that the world is less solid than they think it is. What that is was that? my, this is a, my big takeaway from Kickstarter was, you know, my, my friend Perry Chen had the idea for crowdfunding. Like he invited me to join his co-founder, three of us push it into the world. Um, and for me, watching that idea take off was wild because, you know, I was just very aware of where it came from and that we, it was originally Perry's idea. We made it up. Like we built this system and watching, I mean, it wasn't an immediate overnight success, but watching how quickly people accepted this system as being real. And it started to have this momentum and be more widely used. Mm -hmm. And as that was happening, I kept like, waiting for the five people in suits with clipboards to come knock on our door and like make sure that we met the qualifications to be like changing culture or something. Like, I just, I just thought like there's more structure and order to the world than this, that we would just do this. And suddenly people just use this. And this is like, things are just changing in this direction. And, and I honestly felt scared by it because I, I felt quite comfortable in the idea that the world had some order and you know, that like, that was a helpful thought to me. And, um, but with time I I came to feel like really empowered by this idea. Cause I just thought if that's what, if like Kickstarter, was just us making something up and then people, because other people believe in it, it becomes real. I bet that's how pretty much everything is. And, and I just started to look at the world that way and just found it a very empowering way to think. You know, just because you can sort of work backwards of like, what must someone have been thinking about to make that happen? And it's just, you know, it just sort of removes a little bit of the mystery and it empowers you because it says, I mean, Steve Jobs has a great quote about this. At a certain point, you realize the world is created by people no smarter or different than you, right? Right. And it's just like, we do, this is just how it happens. And um, so the book is trying to, I want people to emotionally feel that. I want people to look at the world around them and say, this shit is super made up and that's a little freaky. It's also a little exciting because you know what, that means this stuff can be remade. Um, and I want people to feel empowered. Um, and you know, I wanted, and in the book to create an emotion, it's it, to, to make people, to make people feel like they're, they're seeing the world in a new light and, and especially to make people feel like the the assumptions of our value system that going and getting yours is, the right way is the the only way to do things and that um, amassing financial wealth is the secret to unlocking uh, other kinds of wealth and happiness. But I just, I think those things are are fundamentally uh, not true and that there are other ways to go about that, better ways to do that. Um, You know, I wrote this book because I felt like this wasn't a view that was being expressed. And I felt like, and I especially think for me coming from a business background and like, I'm not a, I don't know, just like, just sort of bridging these worlds, you know, and I I come at this stuff as a former CEO, as an operator, as someone that like gets impatient as like, you know, if I'm in a, I was in like some workshop with a group of Buddhists recently, and I've like never felt more like a New Yorker than in that moment. I was like chewing my arm off this whole time. I'm like, come on, this is fucking taking forever. Jesus Christ. Uh, But like, you know, having that energy having that, that like hustle, hustle, like hype energy, but wanting to bring that to like our potential and to bring that to like how we process what's important and and just feeling like there's a space there for that. Right. There's a space there to be confrontational, to be real, to be aspirational, to be a little bit spiritual, to like be goal oriented, to like, you know, and, and that's, that's a mix of feelings and motivations that um, I think are, like, effective. You know, I, like, I want, I want the world of, like, do-goodery to, to be almost as cutthroat as business, where if, like, if you suck at it, you're fired. Someone, someone who's good at it does it because, like, this stuff is important you know, helping people is important. Like, I, 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 I want to move past a world where you get credit just for like being a good person. We should, I mean, everyone should be a good person, but like, how do we activate that? Right. Because like, you look around, everybody's nice. Everybody, you know, is nice and smart. You know, everybody, you know, you don't meet many assholes in the world, but yet, look at the world <laughs> so are we are we are we pushing ourselves the right way? you know are we is there is there a different sort of urgency that we should take or a different way of thinking because it's not like there are a lot of obvious bad guys, but yet still things seem to not quite be going right, so I feel like there's a a different level of uh, uh, activation urgency just like fight hustle energy that that needs to go into this kind of stuff because uh, i don't know i uh, just just yeah
1: no it makes sense man it definitely makes sense i love that so that's awesome and i appreciate the transparency and the vulnerability throughout this seriously it's yeah. you know really awesome to hear it from you I know that people are going to want these questions in regards to Kickstarter. So I'm going to ask them. You probably get them a million and one times, but I got to serve the community here. People are going to want to know like what makes a successful campaign. And obviously you were on the back end of that. So like, what did you see over the course of your time there? Maybe there was like a trend or something.
0: I mean, I think that there's a, there's like a language of the site um, that is like entirely community derived. Mm. which, you know, like how people make their videos, they watch each other's videos, like reward structures. Everyone's always just like building on each other's ideas. Right. So I feel like, um, a lot of the best practices are learned just by like looking at what's happening now in the category that you're going into and just stealing everybody's best ideas and and integrating them together and like using that to, to frame your story. Um, you know, but the, so like that's, you, you, but you could like Frankenstein a project that no one cared about that way. Um, I think deeper than that. Uh, so that's like, just like, what are the trends? I think you're just sort of browsing the site. Um, and like, I'm looking at, you know, social media, just more generally what's hooking people. Right. Um, but you know, I always felt like with a Kickstarter project, I could always watch like the first 15 seconds of the video and I, would, and I would have a strong sense about whether or not someone was really authentic or not. Mm. And I don't know how, what I would say that quality is, but I always felt like if you showed 10 people the same 15 seconds of each video, that most of us would have the same reaction about like who seems sincere, who doesn't. And I, and I think a lot of how people respond to projects is that like, does this feel sincere or does this like, is this you know is is this a little overly constructed is this you know is this like is this someone trying to astroturf some support here so there's just some sense of like is someone being real or not that i think comes through and and that and you know and that's where you get into that those interesting challenges that you see like influencers on instagram have where it's like what's the right line between being authentic and but professional you yeah, know yeah. like real showing something but not like but not turning people off. Right. And, and that, that's where like, when I see things that are too slick on Kickstarter, I, you know, I'm normally like, I'm, I'm out like, I, you know, I'm like, I'm not so sure, but like someone making a really good one take, like walk and talk video through their office, you know, that looks cool, but like doesn't take any, doesn't take money to do. It just takes a little bit of effort and like practicing, you know, those things are awesome you're just like, oh, this person really cares. They seem cool. Like that's a, that's a dope video. I like that. They tried to do that. You know, just all those things communicate a trust. And I feel like it's, it's ultimately, it's that kind of trust that is like that, that human component that won't necessarily make someone back you, Mm. but trust plus a project that meets their interests. That's probably a backing, right? Maybe they're going to back, you know, not trusting you plus project of their interest, you know, probably not going to back you. Um, But so I I just think it's about trying to represent an authentic voice that, you know, and and I, you know, I have to think about things like, I don't think you're wanting to imagine an audience. I think you're imagining like members of your club, like, you know, I doubt you want to be someone's audience. You know, you don't want to be someone's follower, right? Like none of us want to be followers. We all want to be members of things we uh, uh, and so there's just like an attitude a way of being that i think comes with that um and uh and so sort of viewing people as you know, more equals that hey you're a busy person with a lot of shit to do so am i i'm trying to do this thing you know whatever like it's just just being respectful real on the level i just think that kind of emotional information really sways people uh, maybe to a greater degree than we might assume.
1: Yeah. Does it? So, you were mentioning trust. Do you feel like that comes from a relatability aspect?
0: Yeah. Well, I think trust comes from, I mean, one is like your, your resume of just right. like, have you done things with people that they've had a good experience with? Like that is by far, you know, 90% of Kickstarter projects are someone converting past goodwill into the next project. Sure. Right. Uh, So they've already demonstrated that they, they know what they're doing. Um, So yeah, trust, some, some of trust is that way. Um, And I guess the other, I guess the kind of trust I'm talking about is, is maybe more what I would feel just like just looking at lots of projects and just what, what resonated with me. Um, But just, you know, we're all, I mean, everyone's online. Like we're all very image conscious, right? Like the best, the best, chill tweet someone sent, they probably spent like three days writing, you know, and it's four <laughs> words and they're all misspelled, but they got it just right, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's, that's what it takes sometimes to, to like, you know, to nail that, the art, the artistry and finding your voice and telling that story, I think is, uh, it's just, it's just, there are people that are so good at, good at it. Like, look, look at AOC, like, look, look at how AOC is at communicating absolutely everything. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, you know, talking about someone that's like really in integrity with who they most deeply are all the fucking time, you know? And it's just like, it makes her so powerful. Um, just like that realness that you, you just know she's just being her, like whatever you think she's being her. And that, you know, on the internet, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of the ultimate, the ultimate cred. Yeah, that's, that's that's what you got to say about Trump. If you don't like Trump, you're like, well, you know, but he is just him. Like, we know he's right his tweets. You know, there's, you get some credit for that.
1: Right. Definitely. Definitely. So, Yancey, I want to respect your time. I know we only got a couple minutes. I have one last question for you. It's a tough one. I mean, on the way out, it's a pretty tough question to ask. But if you were to only give one piece of advice for the rest of your life, meaning if you were hopping on other podcasts, if you were writing other books, you were hopping on stages, you were doing these zooms, whatever else you're doing, if you were only able to give one piece of advice for the rest of your life, what would that be?
0: See yourself as a four dimensional creature. Um, See yourself as a four dimensional creature. And, 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 and those four dimensions are now me, future me, now us, future us. Mm. There's more than that. I mean, there's a past, there's, there's a larger context that we live within. Um, you know, it's not just, we're not just living on our own. Right. Like, um, but, but yeah, because I think that you have a lot more power and agency when, when you see yourself that way, because otherwise when, when you're trapped in just like a now me perspective, you're just waiting for things to hit you. You know um, you're, you're, you're taking very little control over your life and, and, and ultimately I don't think you're really going to get anywhere, but if you are thinking about your future self um, and if you are, what I do is I make a to do list every week using the four boxes of bento or like my future me is telling me every week what I need to do to like become that person. Right. I'm not waiting around for these things to one day happen to me. I'm actively doing them every week. And Believing that as I continue to do them, not seeking immediate rewards, but I will manifest what it is that I ultimately most want or that is you know, most fulfilling uh, uh, of, this, of this path. But I, I just think that most people are, are not operating more than a day or two ahead, of, a foresight of more than a day or two ahead. And this is like driving, only looking at the road right in front of you. And that people that are able to have that longer term view that are working towards a more distant goal, that every time they face a challenge, they're not designing a bespoke solution to that situation, but they're using that challenge as another opportunity to manifest that future destination they have in mind that you have like a superpower. Yeah. Compared to everyone else, you have a superpower and, and, and your ability to work towards the things that are important to you and to create positive impact is just unbelievable. And and and, and I think the whole world is going to get here. And I think it's gonna happen not because we all got woke, I think it's gonna happen because it becomes a necessity because of climate change and other issues. And also because it's, it's gonna become convenient. It will be turned into a product, it will become something that we can all do and um and yeah so that the 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 dimensionality of self um and 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 just getting to know those parts of ourselves um that's i i i think that's the secret
1: i love that man i love it listen i i've had a blast I'm really grateful to be able to amplify this message. I want to say thank you again. I'm going to make sure that your website, any socials, where people can get the book is in the show notes of this episode. But if there's any other projects that you have going on that you want to mention that we haven't been able to touch on in this
0: hour. Yeah, I would would just say one, which is that I do – zoom workshops, three days a week, all free Sundays, Wednesdays, Fridays. It's like hundred, 150 people come each week. We do creative exercises together. Um, uh, come join those. You go to just bit.ly bit.ly slash weekly bento bit.ly slash weekly bento. Just drop your email address in. And every week I send out the this, this schedule. So just come to one of those sometimes and meet some folks. It's, it's a good community.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. I'm going to make sure that's in the show notes of this episode too, man. Listen, Yancy, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you again for hopping on here. Yeah. Peace, man. Thanks so much. And there it is, episode 181 Yancey Strickler Decoding Success. Make sure you are checking out the show notes where you can find all of Yancey's links to his social, to his websites, to where you can get the book, his communities, and so on and so forth. With that being said, if you have not shared this episode yet, or any episode for that matter, you now have the opportunity to be a beacon of light to the people that are in your life, whether it's the people you work with, your friends, your family, and everyone in between. If you have not left a rating and review yet, that means the absolute world to us. That's exactly how we're able to get amazing, deep, insightful and wise individuals just like Yancey here on this show. So leaving that rating review, as I mentioned, means the absolute world to us. And we have been getting so many requests for YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. If you have not subscribed yet, you can check out the YouTube directly in the show notes of this episode. Click the link. It will direct you right there. Subscribe. Make sure you turn on that little bell to get notifications when we release our episodes every single week. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, be blessed. Peace.